Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to Kudzu Vine for July 5th, 2020. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome Catherine Smith. Greetings from Atlanta. And welcome Tim Shiflett. Good evening, sir. All right, coming up in about 20 minutes on our show, looking forward to having University of Illinois Springfield professor Magic Wade by way of University of Minnesota. So she's going to talk to us about some public policy issues and some Minnesota politics here in just a moment. Uh, But in the meantime, we've got topics to discuss. And interestingly enough, um, we kind of made our show out a day or two early, knowing it was the 4th of July holiday. And um, so we are good to go. And then yesterday, um, an interesting political story uh, hit Twitter and other sources. Um, I won't say it's the hard political story of the year by any means, but in 2020, um, crazy is hardcore politics these days. And – one of the people that Donald Trump's brought into the White House to meet with him was um, musical artist Kanye West, and he wore the Make America Great Again hat, sang Donald Trump's praises in a certain way, something about his uh, machismo, seemingly. So you thought, you know, if Kanye West was um, so enamored with Donald Trump, he wouldn't be wanting to seek office himself, at least the presidency. But he announced yesterday on Twitter, Catherine, that he is a candidate for president of the United States. (laughs) Um, First off, how seriously do we take this? Um, Not not very seriously, but, you know, I mean, not seriously. It's not like he's going to be in a debate or – but – you know he's got a lot of money, so he could you know put on put up some ads and try to have some kind of impact. But it's unlikely that it will have. I mean, it's it's a vanity uh, run, if anything. Yep, attention seeking seems to be um, involved. Tim, I'm going to boil this thing down for two words, and that goes for any candidate that wants to run uh, for public office, in particular the presidency, ballot access. Do you think he has any kind of plan to gain ballot access I, to actually appear? I, I bet if somebody mentioned him, you know, you got to fill out paperwork and stuff like that and gain ballot access in in the states. In some places, you've got to get signatures. And he'd probably say, oh, of course he hasn't done any of that. And, of course, he hasn't even thought about doing any of that and probably didn't know that you had to do any of that. And I, I really do 
worry about his mental health. To be honest with you, uh, I, I, you know, this, this this isn't serious. He he can't get on the ballot now in these states four months before the election. And, I mean, he could, at, for laughs, somebody might write his name in somewhere, and he might get a, you know, a little handful of votes, a few hundred or something, scattered out across the country. But of course, he can't. Even if he is serious, he can't be serious. Uh, but like you said, in 2020, craziness reigns, and it's just another layer of crazy especially coming from a guy that I personally think is just that. So uh, good good, good luck to him and his campaign. <laughs> yes, uh, Tim, you mentioned write-in, and I think that's a key part of this. Uh, in 2016, you had one of the highest percentage of write-in votes um, in American history, and it wasn't – you know, serious candidates. I mean, it wasn't people saying, oh, well, I'm going to write in, um, you know, John McCain, or I'm going to write in, I guess, in 2016, so I said Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders or, or some political figure that they liked because they didn't like the two candidates. Um, it was just people writing in Mickey Mouse and Spider-Man and Donald Duck. Um, you know, he is a living, breathing, real human being, so I guess he has to be taken, you know, more seriously than a cartoon character. But, you know, that's what I do worry about is the low-information voter. And, you know, if these states, you know, if if Donald Trump wins Wyoming by 20 and Donald – I mean, uh, Joe Biden wins California by 20, those states aren't in play. But as we know, the state that is within – 0.01% and it's getting down to uh, recounting, you know, hundreds of ballots, not thousands of ballots. If enough people write in anybody, including Kanye West, it could be a problem. Um, And and if he just tweets this out today and it just fades away tomorrow, it really won't have any impact. Now, if he does make it kind of a publicity thing and he releases an album called my platform for the presidency or whatever it is and even if it's just a a marketing gimmick it could get a few thousand write-in votes in the right state to where people are like if x number of people wasn't have written in kanye west the state would have gone this way or that. And that's why I think it becomes a political issue that we discuss at least this week. All bets are off for uh, next week. Tim? Uh, 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 in all my lifetime, I have seen an or- – now, this was an organized write-in campaign, a for real one – actually make a difference in this state. I know that Lisa Murkowski pulled it off in Alaska, but in the state of Georgia, the year was 1966. I won't go into the lengthy story. Folks can go and look up uh, the governor's race of 1966 in Georgia. It's a great story and about Ellis Arnold. Uh, But I I just couldn't see where Kanye West would get 10 write-in votes somewhere, anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think ten write-in votes would come in from the Kardashians. 
now I will say this, David. The guy will absolutely have some killer videos. He he will he will defeat all comers in videos. I mean that that is a gimme right there. But but otherwise, I mean just you know I hope nobody's talking about this a week from now, including Kanye West. I don't see where. Any write-in votes that, that he would mount would make any difference anywhere. As a matter of fact, I'm going to predict this is going to be one of the most binary elections uh, that we have seen in a long, long time. Because it's Trump or it's Biden. And it's Biden to get rid of Trump in most people's minds. And and that's just that. This yeah, I guess you get kind of gun shy when you've lost the 2000 election and you've lost the 2016 election by such close margins. You think anything could count in large amounts? Well, and, uh, and, and that's and, quoting and, another and, musical artist, not Kanye yeah, West. Yeah, but in, yeah, but those were different. You had strong third party candidates in both years that pulled in substantial votes, and actually. Uh, but, you know, probably cost both times the Democratic candidate or help cost him the presidency. Certainly that happened in 2000. Certainly it happened then. Well, Catherine, bringing up what Tim's talking about here, could one of the third parties that has decent ballot access, like the Libertarians of the Green Party, without having any clue what he's going to run on – he probably doesn't know either, spin a wheel um, – could they be so desperate for attention that one or the other tries to get him to be their nominee? <laughs> I doubt it. And I don't think that's what I don't think that's what um Kanye wants. I don't I don't think he would <clears throat> do well in a <clears throat> excuse me. In any kind of organized party situation i think he wants to run his own game and if he was in a you know he would have to take some guidance from the green party or the libertarian party if they were to you know try to convince him i think yeah. this is a um you know it's a vanity and uh some kind of statement if we hear anything more from him about why he's running it might be a um I heard some people talking, I heard some talk about this, I can't remember if it was on Twitter or what, that um, he might appeal to some of the um, black Christian people that have trouble with some of the social issues that Joe Biden supports, like abortion and, um, you know, other social issues. So there's, but it's very, very, it would be like, like attracting black Republicans who are conservative but can't quite get to Trump because of so, so many of the, you know, things that he's done lately especially. So that's one theory, but I don't I mean I think it's a, a, such a small number that it's not anything for us to be concerned about and the more uh light we give it, the more um attention he receives and the more he talks about it and you know the, all that. I mean, I think it's good to yeah. talk about it now, but if he talk, if he keeps, you know, I just think it's one of those things best left 
to his own devices and not get any uh, help from anybody else. Yeah, well, we discussed him this week. He made his big tweet. He made his big splash on July 4th, which is typically not the best time to, um, uh, you know, dump something on the media. So we've discussed it. He's got to make another move to make the show again next week or in the future. Kanye, your move. Um, So now we're going to move to other topics, and uh, that would be since it's the 4th of July weekend, um, they've been doing these polls, and I think there may have been more than one that came out and and had different results and were – um, you know, titled different ways, but it was talking about how Americans are less proud of America, and of course that can mean a lot of things. Um, but nevertheless, you know, I saw somebody frame it where number one in coronavirus, um, you know, cases by far, because we're not using science as a country, and at the same time, um, We've kind of had to look at ourselves in the mirror with some racial issues that are that are not necessarily fun at all. Um, and those two things, you're getting framed, and you have a president that's incredibly divisive. Um, Tim, I know you saw at least one of these polls. What what did you take away from it? Well, the the one I was looking at was the, the University of Chicago's poll on uh, uh, how people are viewing the. Uh, coronavirus uh, and uh, they were approaching it from the angle of, of, of how happy or unhappy um, people are and, and only 14% of the respondents listed themselves as happy with the state of things right now and now that's down 17 points from last year 31 percent saying they're happy is is not really anything to strike up the ban about but 14 it's horrible um 50 percent of the american people now say that they feel isolated well only to like 23 percent of them felt that way last year not just isolated personally but isolated as a country you know from the rest of the world that represents those things i just mentioned represent the worst showing in such a poll uh since 1970 at the height of the vietnam war um so the country is in a negative mood in normal times, that equals bad for all incumbents. Uh, I'm bad for those who are running the country. Uh, I, I could not see where people in such a sour mood would feel like rewarding those who they feel put them there <laughs> with further terms. So it could be bad news for Donald Trump. Yes, Catherine, I, I know I sent at least one of those uh, polls to you. What was your take on um, these 4th of July, the state of the nation type polls? Well, I, I saw the one that Tim's talking about, and my uh, reaction was, well, duh. Of course we're unhappy and isolated. Mo- many of us have been in our sitting in our homes for four or five months and, and probably will be here for another two at least. And um, we're 
we're not having the kind of social interaction that we've had for the for our during our lives. I mean, it's a, it's a, a dramatic shift in our um, daily lives, as well as a lot of fear around illness and um, economics and jobs, and then now a lot of fear around. Um, protests and um, I, I just think I, I mean when I read it I was like well I could have told them this I could have <laughs> I could have told them that this was going to be a really bad time to be asking these questions um, I do think that it's definitely a bad uh, reflection on the current administration not just uh, President Trump, but the people uh, in the party, in his party, and in Congress, who are who have continually supported him and uh, don't speak out against some of the things that he says, I think those people are um, also complicit in these kind of numbers and making us unhappy and isolated. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it's rain well for uh, the president or his most outspoken supporters. Yes. Another one of those polls I know had this, uh, it was like the lowest figure since they've been doing the polls since uh, 2000. Um, Are you proud to be an American? And the number of like extremely proud and very proud was the lowest number. Um, And of course they identified the three causes we talked about. Um, Current administration and kind of how we stand in the world, um, you know, coronavirus and how that's been handled, and then um, racial fissures um, being exposed. Tim, if one of those three could be rectified, not saying what would be best for the country as far as just a tangible gain, but kind of looking at proud to be an American, which one do you think would cause the biggest rise? In that poll number, and Catherine, I'll ask you that same question too. Well, uh, the more people feel positive about the direction of the country, the better it is historically for the incumbent. So that's an easy choice for me. Uh, pe- people who who take pride in their country and feel that their country is moving in a good direction generally bodes well for those in office. Okay, Catherine? Uh, Can you repeat the question? I'm sorry. I I must have misunderstood it. Okay, just looking at, you know, the proud-to-be-an-American question, uh, I feel like Lee Greenwood ought to uh, play in the background or something. Um, Which of – and they they, kind of – one of the authors or or one of the writers kind of identified three causes. One would be the current administration and how he has kind of reflected us in the the world – Racial divisions being kind of exposed and some of our past that we're reckoning with. And then um, how we've handled coronavirus. I mean, we have completely mishandled it by the number of cases we have in this country. If we were to be able to rectify one of those, which one do you think would help Americans raise that proud to be an American number the most? Well, my first re- reaction is to get rid of the president. <laughs> 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 uh, Tim's, 
Steve. Yeah. I don't think that's part. I don't think that's one of the choices. Um, it it is. It is because that, he's given us such a bad standing in the world. That's that's kind of one of the, yeah, the theories. And, and I mean, I think I think getting rid of him also uh, bodes well for the other two options, right? Yeah. Mm. I mean, he he's he's. Uh, inciting a lot of the um, racial um, discord and uh, he's certainly doing a terrible job with with the coronavirus and the pandemic so if uh, I think that I, I mean I think that's the, the best option yes now I will kind of for well, conjecture well, we say well, we have a minute well, we have a minute. Yes. Can I just say something? Sure. It, it's completely off topic, but I took the time <laughs> yesterday to to um, rent the new John Lewis documentary called Good Trouble. From I got it from Xfinity, I think, or wherever, Apple TV or whatever. It is really good. I really recommend it for all our listeners, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. It really shows how much we've changed from a collaborative government where Democrats and Republicans work together to this divisive, to the divisive circumstances that we're in now, as well as telling the story of Congressman Lewis in a most eloquent and beautiful way. I really recommend it. It was very uplifting. Anyway. Okay. I will say it. Catherine, I checked you, and um, it, it, because I have a free and legal uh, account to um, Apple TV, I checked it, and it's not on Apple TV. I wish it was. Uh, the Banker's on uh, Apple TV, if, if something in that same genre, uh, Bernard and Joe. No, I'm pretty, um, sure it's on, I'm pretty sure it's on Apple TV. Well, I just look. There's a boy's state that just came on Apple TV. Um you know, but but I'm sure there's other places, you know, sources anyway, get it, but I don't see it on Apple TV, unfortunately. Yeah, I wish it was, because um, it sounds excellent. But yeah, Banker, well, the Banker's on there, and it's a good movie for this time as well. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, a, a true story. Um, well, let's kind of get back into that, uh, some things about that poll. Now, those polls are always so tricky um, and, you know, how people feel because a lot of times, you know, if you ask people in, say, 2014, are you proud of the country, there could be some hardcore conservative Republicans that weren't happy with the country because Barack Obama was president and then the numbers flip with Donald Trump. Um, a, a year from now, Joe Biden's president um, – do the numbers flip and do people move or to people – and, of course, you have to figure in then maybe some things have been done to bring our nation together racially and um, hopefully coronavirus is um, controlled, we'll call it, uh, through vaccinations, better testing, something than it is now. But, Tim, do you think switching leaders will bring big change into those numbers, or is this more of a long-term issue about how the nation sees itself well we are very polarized we we know that for instance we know something charlie cook was talking about when james carville said it's the economy stupid 
You know what? That statement don't carry as much weight now. It, it, it's not the economy. Uh, Donald Trump, until recently, has had just a marvelous economy and terrible poll numbers to go with it. Uh, so we, we are more divided, but. I mean, if a year from now we have a vaccine, the country's open, people are going about their business, life returns to some semblance of normal. Uh, The new administration will have, you know, at least a short honeymoon period. Uh, People would probably be feeling a lot better about themselves and things in general. And yes, those numbers would move dramatically. And I do believe that part of it would be the changing of administrations because this one seems to be stuck in a really bad rut that I I don't think it's going to get out of as far as uh, people's overall happiness is concerned, even if he were to somehow win re-election. Yeah, I, it's America's just not in a good place, and it needs several fixes um, and some better news because this is, you know, it's pretty miserable to, you know, don't feel safe going out. Or some people are just, you know, ignoring science, but I'm not even sure how safe they still feel. Um, or maybe ignorance is bliss. I don't know. Um, but that's just the one um, thing that's going on is coronavirus. There's so many others. Well, uh, let's shift gears and let's talk. Well, I was still talking about coronavirus, but another angle to it. Um, Donald Trump continues to go places and make public appearances. He um, ruined uh, uh, Mount Rushmore for the weekend for everybody um, and had this speech. And I don't know if y'all have ever been, but really it's not. Like there's a lot of space in front of the sculpture to even speak. I believe there's only 2,000 people uh, in the 2000s that were could be assembled right there to hear the speech. I'm sure the fireworks um, could be seen further away, but the space in front of it is pretty confined. So he picks this space. I guess even he could fill up, um, given fireworks is is a you know uh, main event and act for him. And but they don't even let people sp- spread the chairs around. We find out that his um, not daughter-in-law, but uh, the girlfriend, the longtime girlfriend of his oldest son, Don Jr., Kimberly Guilfoyle, who was uh, a Fox News personality for a while, and I think's the face or one of the faces of Trump TV. Have not tuned into that. Hopefully, that won't be on Apple TV. Um, because I, I wouldn't even want to look at the preview of that thing. Um, but she has contracted coronavirus. We also know that uh, advanced staffers to these events have contracted coronavirus. There's a lot of different people in this um, Trump-Pence orbit that have contracted coronavirus. Catherine, does it seem like if they continue their current behavior – that it's just a matter of time until Donald Trump or Mike Pence um, contract coronavirus. Well, I don't know that we know that they haven't. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I haven't seen the tests. I don't know. They haven't released any of these tests. I, I, I find it hard to believe that they have not uh, contracted it. 
by now. It's just hard to believe and considering their behavior and the people around them. But we're ne- we're never going to know. They're never going to tell us. Well, we may know unless later down get, the road. Unless they get really I'll, sick. I'll say this. You know, um, uh, Mike Pence is younger. He is seemingly in better shape. He doesn't brag about his physical results. They're probably not even released to the public. But he seems like if he contracted it um, – it might not affect him in the same way. But Donald Trump is over 70 years old. He is not in shape. Let's just be honest. If he were to contract it and be, you know, I guess asymptomatic, and I haven't studied the epistemology of this enough to know, can you be in a high-risk group in age and weight and still just be asymptomatic because it just doesn't affect yeah, you? you can. Or you can. So, so I mean, maybe – I mean, because the guy, I'll say this, as unfit as he seems, he's doing better than one would expect, let's just say. And I think that Ronnie Jackson might have been on to something there, that he's he's healthier than he should be. Um, So I guess if you look at it that way, then maybe he could have. Because seemingly, if Boris Johnson got in the bad shape he was at a much younger age than you know, the medical prognosis for Donald Trump wouldn't seem to be better. Um, Tim, mm. your thoughts? You know, Herman Cain was one of the warm-up speakers for Trump out there yeah. in Tulsa. He contracted it. He's in the hospital, and he is exactly Donald Trump's age. He is 74, just like Donald Trump. I would have to think if if either Trump or Pence tested positive, the odds would be strongly in favor of them getting sick. Of course, Catherine's right. They'd keep it as quiet as they could. They'd do everything they could to keep it quiet. And as far as tempting the fates to catch it, Trump's not going to slow down. And he's going to force his surrogates out there. He's sending his cabinet members all over the country right now to brag on him. They're, 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 they're just almost to the point of violating uh, campaign law, you know, about, you know, people on the government payroll uh, campaigning. But, you know, who's going to stop them? But, you know, Trump's not going to slow down. He's, he announced today that he's going to have a rally in New Hampshire next Saturday. Uh, this, uh, you know, he, he he's going to be who he is, and nobody's going to stop it or him. And that's just going to be that. I'm going to be stunned if at some point he does not at least test positive for it, though, because he's around all of these people that that are, are coming down with it. And, and I don't care if he's tested every day or, or they do whatever they think they have to do, uh, sanitize the bathroom he's going to use or whatnot. If he keeps coming in contact with these people, they're getting it from somebody. And it's got to be somebody close to him because they're showing up at the same places that he is. Uh, the circle of people that's getting it, around him is tightening and look at all these guys that are guarding Pence in the Secret Service that are coming down with it. They they didn't even have enough agents the other day for him to leave 
and go on a trip. They didn't have enough extra agents because Trump was also out of town. So, uh, yeah, I, I think at some point one of them's going to get it. David? Yeah, it, 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 I mean, it seems so uh, bizarre in how they function. And I've heard that, you know, Trump is kind of a germaphobe. And so maybe he kind of wants to project one thing, but behind the scenes, like, everybody stays away from me, and you have to bathe in hand sanitizer uh, when you walk in, and that's playing in his favor. Um, speaking of Secret Service, and I heard those reports, too, about how low the numbers have gotten down, you know, Joe Biden, both as a former VP and as a um, <clears throat> presidential candidate, is going to get a Secret Service protection. I wonder if they say, well, since Joe Biden staying mainly in his home to campaign, would they consider pulling some resources from his detail to cover Pence or Trump? What do you think, Catherine? Hmm. I don't know exactly how those um, assignments work. I don't know if they if he has like designated um, teams that work with him that have been working with him all along or, um, you know, that the secret service is very protective of how they operate. They don't like to talk about their um, operations and how they assign things just to keep everything, um, you know, secure. Um but I would imagine that that's probably if they, you know, got to that kind of demand that they might do that. But I think it would have to be a pretty serious um, shortage for them to dip into. I think there would be some some pushback from Biden and from, you know, Pelosi and other people if that started to happen. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, they could take away from the Clintons' detail or George W. Bush's or Jimmy Carter's or whomever. But um, it, it seems like you know Biden's would have been an expansion in recent months um, once he went from former yeah, VP but... to presumptive Democratic nominee. Tim, well, that's why he got the detail. They automatically get that detail, yeah. and if Trump. And and then were to pull his de- detailed members from him, that would just that would look terrible politically, wouldn't it? I yeah, mean, it, that it, would it, look it, terrible. <laughs> ah, look what he's doing to the guy he's running against, naturally, right? But but what he? I mean, but doesn't he break every norm already? I mean, he doesn't seem to care about how things look, because of course then he'd be like, well, Sleepy Joe never leaves the basement, so. Um, we're taking away his detail. Of course, then Biden ought to say, well, hey, I'm going to campaign out in an empty field. Um, I need my detail. I don't know, but I don't think that the president controls the Secret Service. No. I mean, I don't think he's like, he's saying, oh, well, take some people away from Joe Biden's campaign. I don't think that's the way it works. I don't think he has think direct control, but then if he's like, well, I want to go and I demand it and I'm the president and I want Mike to go, um, you know, lick the Corona ward in Houston, 
um, then he's going to demand it, and that's going to be a thing there. Um, well, let's kind of switch gears again uh, to something different and something we hadn't talked as much about, but it's really been a interesting development this campaign has been the Lincoln Project. And if you're not familiar with it, it's a group of former Republicans that just cannot stomach Trump and has really kind of just rid themselves of the entire GOP because of how um, they have not stood up to Donald Trump. Rick Wilson seems to be the main um, face of this group, but they've put out some really, really interesting ads, and I don't know how much paid media they're getting. I don't know if they're putting you know huge numbers of points uh, behind these ads, or if it's more to get on TV, get them replay, get them reshared on social media. But but the ads have been really really good. Um, if nothing else, it's going to be, benefit Democrats if these guys aren't making ads um, for the Republicans against Democrats. If nothing else comes out of this, so I kind of thought we'd look at some of these. I sent y'all the video page, and there's other groups too that make these. Um, including, I think, Republicans uh, against Biden. There's also, I'm sorry, Republicans for Biden, and then there's a group of former George W. Bush staffers that put together a group. So kind of any of these ads that any of these groups have made are fair game. But, Catherine, which one was kind of your favorite? I think it's called Truth, and um, it's it's basically about the coronavirus. And uh, we're the, they keep going back to the line where, Trump says, you know, slow down the testing or something. Um, and I, I just found that to be very powerful. And I think it's also something that resonates with people who are struggling with this pandemic and losses in their families or friends and, you know, the economic impact and the social impact of it. I just found it to be very compelling. A lot of them I thought, I mean, I've watched them all. And and I think they're very well done. They're, they, he definitely, or they definitely have a great team of media specialists who know how to, you know, drive home a message. And uh, I think that's, I, I think they all appeal to a different um, demographic. You know, there's a couple about the military and this, recent uh, uh, exposure of this bounty that Putin allegedly has on American soldiers. And then there's some about, um, well, anyway, there's a a, a variety of them. And I think they do a good job of focusing on one thing and really in whatever their 30 seconds, really driving home that message. So I think it's very good. They're very good. Yes. But I like that Tim, one. I thought it was good. Yes. Um, I know the one you're referring to. I think it has even a graphic of um, the numbers going up. Um, Tim, yeah. your favorite. My favorite one of the ads was called How a President Leads. It was so well put together. The ad featured in, I'd say, the first half of it, videos and the words of a lot of different presidents, Democrats and Republicans, from from Kennedy to Reagan to Bush to Obama, and, 
and so on and so forth. Right in the middle of it, here comes something that Trump says, you know, just just pick anything out. It it would fit in there perfectly, something totally ridiculous. And so Trump was bracketed by the, you know, the all the presidents preceding him at the front of the ad, him in the middle, and at the end of the ad, the last thing we see is Joe Biden and the the articulation and and the calmness and you know the return to normalcy and and him actually talking about the qualities of leadership it was a very well done ad very good very hopeful very uplifting and it contrasted perfectly with this is what you have this is what you used to have and this is what you could have next year. It, it, it was perfect. Yeah, I thought it was a good too. In that, it, it. Go ahead, Catherine. I liked it, except you know I can't stand Ronald Reagan, so that I, I just I couldn't I couldn't pick that one because Reagan was in it. Yeah, well, you got to remember who's making it. They they had to be Republican know, for a reason at some point. Um, but but I do think it was good in that. It had some positive Joe Biden in it, which is important to have pieces of that um, because you still – even though the core of the campaign is going to be up or down referendum on Donald Trump, you have to make people feel a certain level of, okay, um, I feel good about Joe Biden, um, and then inoculate him from some of the attacks uh, that the Trump campaign will do. My favorite was actually from um, the Republicans from for uh, Biden group. And the ad, it was a little longer than a minute, so I don't know that it could go neatly on TV. It'd be wonderful to put it in South Carolina. Um, but it featured Lindsey Graham, and it has kind of two halves. And one half is Lindsey Graham just calling Donald Trump everything but an orange man. Um, I mean trashing him, calling him you know, a hate monger and, and just everything negative he can. And then later talking about you're just not even a good person if you don't like Joe Biden. He's the nicest guy in politics, and um, you know, Joe Biden's just a wonderful person either, either side of the aisle. And really, in addition to – um, you know, maybe somebody out there that likes Lindsey Graham still uh, might possibly be persuaded uh, on Joe Biden. There's that level, but it kind of just, you know, kills Lindsey Graham's, um, ca- you know, campaigning on a national level in uh, South Carolina during this campaign. Because while he can still campaign for his own race against Jamie Harrison, if he tries to interject himself in the uh, presidential race and say, oh, well, Joe Biden's awful, well, Lindsey, what's all this? Or if he tries to say, oh, Donald Trump's the best, well, Lindsey, what is all this? And, and it really just completely puts him on the sideline in South Carolina. Now, obviously, South Carolina is one of those icing-on-the-cake states where if we're winning South Carolina, you know, We've already got this thing in the bag as Democrats, um, but it, I do think it completely boxes Lindsey Graham's ability to interject himself in the presidential race. Um, Catherine, your thoughts on what this does to Lindsey Graham? 
Well, it sounds like it's a, I didn't see that one, <clears throat> but I love the idea of, uh, I, 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 I must admit that even though it's gotcha campaigning, I do like it when they find these clips of uh, candidates saying things contrary to their now stance. I find that very um, uh, compelling and entertaining. So I'll have to take a look at that one. I haven't seen it yet. Tim? Uh, I don't think it's going to hurt him that much. Again, South Carolina is one of those states uh, that even in a presidential election year, we we would have to have a massive blowout for, for Lindsey Graham to get in any trouble. And uh, Donald Trump remains very popular in much of that state. I just, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's going to really help anybody to join Donald Trump at the hip with the state of his campaign at this very moment. But I, I think on November the 3rd, it, it's, you know, if Donald Trump's in trouble in South Carolina and Lindsey Graham is losing, Donald Trump's losing 45 states. And I, I, don't, I don't think we're there yet. Yes. Um, and we hadn't really talked much about that race. Uh, Jamie Harrison seems like a really solid candidate. Um, but South Carolina just has such a, a Republican tilt. Um, it seems like a, a tricky thing. What do you think, Tim? If Jamie Harrison lost by high single digits, he would have had a great night. That that's how bad it is there now, right now. <clears throat> yeah, and coronavirus is raging, and I think Henry McMaster's coming under a lot of scrutiny. Um, how many points that gives? Both Joe Biden and then Jamie Harrison in South Carolina. Hard to say. Catherine, do you have a guess? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't looked. I honestly haven't looked at the numbers in South Carolina that closely. But I I agree with all of you that with both of you that if we're winning South Carolina, it's going to be a good night. There's going to be champagne flowing everywhere. Yeah, Yeah. I do think Pearson has a better chance than, say, Amy McGrath, who finally was the nominee in Kentucky and um, Mike Espy in, in Mississippi. I mean, he's a, he's a, well, yeah. a better target than, than some of those. Um, well, but, I, I, think, I think – oh, go ahead, Tim. I was just going to say, but if Harrison is winning, uh, then then Amy McGrath and Mike Espy are also having very good nights and, and scaring their opponents to death. That that That's how much – a victory in South Carolina could be. I think we're a couple of election cycles away from competing for that state. Yeah. Or just this dynamic, just everything going right for that person candidate um, running um, in South Carolina. Um, Well, Catherine, I think it was you that mentioned um, the bounties that were put on the heads of U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan by Russia, and we had that as a topic, uh, I think, last week, and we just didn't get to it, and it's really too important not to get to, so let's let that be our entry into that um, topic that we were going to discuss, and, you know, if you hadn't heard, um, apparently it's been verified by a few sources, Russian officials offered um, 
forces in Afghanistan, and I'm not sure if that's more of a terrorist group or an official, you know, which group it would be, but they offered these bounties uh, for Americans to be killed, and it appears that multiple Americans um, were killed that bounties were paid for. Um, Catherine, I mean, this just goes beyond egregious. Um, what's your thoughts here? Well, I mean, I think uh, it's outrageous that uh, that uh, a respect. Uh, how do we say it? I mean, I don't know if it's a respected country, but it's certainly a you know a, a, a large and influential country would um, do this. But the more outrageous part of it, well, not more outrageous, but the other part that's so outrageous is this claim from the president that he didn't know about it which is shocking in in just in the fact that he didn't know about it that that allegedly no one told him about it like what is what is happening in our um security administrate in the nsa that they're not telling him these things that the military isn't telling him these things or whomever know, knew about it isn't telling him this information. And if, as they claim, he was brief, but he didn't know, he didn't believe it. Or, I mean, there's just so much outrage about this. And um, I can't imagine how the families of our military, our military families and our soldiers um, can respond to this. I mean, it must be, horrifying to the families that may have lost someone and now don't know exactly what you know where it happened how it happened and then to the soldiers that are still fighting and uh concerned about bounties being on their heads it's very um it's very shocking and uh disheartening and sad Yes, Tim, the conventional wisdom is that military, um, you know, maybe hardcore military families on the whole, I mean, when you add the minuses and the pluses up, lean Republican. Um, how much do stories like this one and some others we've heard about, not this egregious, but how much do they begin to hurt him among Republican-leaning military might hurt him some, uh, especially among the families of, of enlisted people who who are actually out there in harm's way. Um, so, so the way that the administration is trying to handle this is by putting out some uh, stuff to the press, questioning the authenticity of the intelligence itself. They're trying to get the story away from the president was brief to is the intelligence real, and that's their new thing. Well, the intelligence doesn't didn't rise up to the level of briefing the president, so he wasn't briefed in, in person. We do know, however, that it was included in the written briefing that he gets every day which is a document that the president is supposed to read daily, um, and, and apparently he did not as early as March of last year. 
And secondly, now that it is, you know, out there, well, well, why isn't he doing something about it now? Uh, Other than saying what they're saying, well, this intelligence is faulty. You know what? I heard something today, guys. On going after bin Laden, our intelligence rated it at best a 50-50 proposition that bin Laden was even in that compound. And yet, President Obama, based on that and, and what, you know, what a, a few other things that he had, went ahead and said, you know what, Let, let's, let's do this operation. Let, let's go get him because a 50-50 shot is worth it. No intelligence is 100% accurate. So telling this sort of thing is not going to appeal to military families at all. Now, I, don't, I don't think it could swing enough votes at this point you know, in military families that haven't already been swung around uh, to make any huge difference in votes. Yeah. Um, Any chance this kind of backs off um, Vladimir Putin and the Russian trolls that, um, you know, get on the Internet and, and kind of, you know, do their influencing? Will this kind of report getting out there back them off even a little bit, you think, Catherine? Mm. You mean stop them from doing what they're doing? You know, that they reduce their fake tweets and Facebook posts by 20% over the next month. I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I, I don't think they, I don't think in any way they shut down the operation. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see how, um, how this changes whatever, you know, thoughts and, you know, social media activities are going on. I don't see how this makes any difference to that. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to think where it hurts more is, and I think it was kind of a non-starter, Donald Trump wants them to be a part of NATO and, and get different influential places within the world international stage. And um, I think a lot of the European leaders probably have just said, we're going to put a pin in this until after November 3rd. Because um, they're hopeful of one thing, but then if somehow Donald Trump were to win re-election, I think it would be held against um, the Russians that they did this because they'd be like, well, you'll probably do it against our forces too mm. um, in the future. Tim, what do you think? No, you know what? I think two people on this planet right now that feel very, very emboldened since Donald Trump is is in the White House is Vladimir Putin, who recently took moves to make himself president until he goes into the grave over there in Russia, and President Xi of of China. And we can see how emboldened he feels by just basically trashing that treaty he had with the British about, uh, you know, Hong Kong. And, you know, so the, the... so uh, Vladimir Putin's not going to slow down at all. He's not. That's that's not who he is. And you've got to keep somebody like him in check. And Trump just either can't do it or or, or won't do it. And uh, we we don't even know all the whys about that. If he's got something on him, or he just so admires him, or he's so naive. I suspect it's a 
combination of all those things. But uh, no, Vladimir Putin and the Russians are not going to slow down their plans at all, no matter what comes out. Because they know Trump ain't going to do nothing about it. Why would they? Yeah. Well, um, I think we got time for one more quick topic. It's kind of a follow-up. Um, Tim, you were correct. We talked about – well, I guess all three of us are correct, and then we all thought Florida would be where the Republican convention moved, at least uh, you know Don's big speech to. But um, you specifically targeted um, Jacksonville. That's where they said they're going to have it. Just this past week, the city of Jacksonville said they're going to acquire masks. Now, of course, that doesn't mean they're going to acquire masks for the next, say, three months necessarily, um, but they're requiring them for now. And I guess we'll see how things go in Florida. It hasn't been good this week at all. Um, but, Catherine, if Jacksonville still has a mask uh, policy in place, and a Republicans officials say, oh, well, we'll abide by it if it's a local policy, um, how will Donald Trump and others react when the speech actually happens if Jacksonville um, has a mask policy in public? Well, I think it depends on what the policy is. If it's, I mean, we've had we have mask policies around the country, and they're enforced in different ways. Um, if it's a if it's a if it's enforced, then and and they enforce it. Prior to the convention, you know, they give people citations or they fine them or whatever. If they do that before the convention begins, then I think they're going to be in a pickle. If they don't enforce it, if it's just a, you know, this is a rule, but we're not going to cite anybody for it, then I think they'll just ignore it. Tim? Well, you know, there's been some rumors out there that maybe the Republicans are rethinking things again and they're just not going to have a big uh, in-person event at their convention. And I I say bull to that. Donald Trump is going to want his big crowning glorious moment. And he's going to walk out there with no face mask on, and he's probably going to want every seat. He's an every seat fill kind of guy, and inside that arena, he's going to want every seat full and jammed in there, and he's not going to care if they're wearing face masks or not. I think he would prefer that they not be just for the optics uh, presented on television. And I just do not see the Republican governor or the Republicans that run the state of Florida uh, standing up to Trump and stopping Donald Trump from doing Donald, you know, whatever Donald Trump wants to do. So I'm going to say if, if Trump pushes the issue, they'll go right ahead with their and proceed with their plans, and they won't pay any attention to what the state of Florida or the city of Jacksonville, either one, has in the way of rules concerning that virus. Yeah, I don't even see a way in which Ron DeSantis would sign anything in. This past nope. week, one of the more intriguing stories has been how Greg Abbott in Texas and Ron DeSantis in, in um, Florida have viewed this so differently. Both states have had major 
um, emergencies. Um, Texas has actually put statewide mask policies in place for any county with 20 or more cases, which is probably most counties with 20 or more people. Um, or no, you know what I'm saying, it, it, the highly populated counties. He also said, I, I reopened bars too soon. He actually admitted he was wrong. Good for him. Um, Ron DeSantis, been none of that. Um, I mean, it's one of the things where, I mean, honestly, he's figured out how to make Brian Kemp look um, responsible uh, in some <laughs> way, which is kind of a hard feat to do. Um, but, Catherine, any last thoughts on DeSantis? You know, it's crazy down there. Like, well, I mean, it's crazy all over yeah. the place, but some of these pictures for out of Florida are just shocking. You know, yeah. they need to get their, they need to get it together. Yeah. Their numbers I are going to be horrible over the next few weeks. They're going to have a lot of deaths. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean, Catherine. It's always crazy down there. It's always a good time to go python hunting in the Everglades and spear fishing for lionfish um, off the coast. I mean, that's a good kind of crazy, but this is bad kind of crazy. Um, Tim, your thoughts? Yeah, well, we're talking about over eleven thousand cases down there yesterday, over ten thousand today. And uh, the, the, unfortunately, the hospitalizations and deaths are going to come, uh, and, and, and they're just sitting on pins and needles about their economy. If they're one state, if they have to start shutting down again with tourism, it, it would just be beyond devastating. You talk about Donald Trump losing the state then, you, you could mark that one away. Yeah, because yeah. you do have the tourism. You have the elderly population there that's really yeah. um, uh, a scary thing to think about as well if it gets there. Um, and then, of course, their state is so dependent. They don't have, uh, you know, um, progressive um, income taxation. It's all sales tax revenue because the theory is, okay, everybody comes down to vacation. We slap sales tax on it. It pays for everything, the burden it put on the people, it's put on the tourists. Well, that ain't going to work too good when there's no tourism. And so that the, that may force the state down the road, not Ron DeSantis, but down the road to rethink their formula a little bit as well. Well, yeah. been a good show, guys. Uh, next week we have Mike Mikus coming back to talk to us about the important state of Pennsylvania. Until then, it's been the Kudzu Vine. Good night, hey, guys. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity?